Come on, somebody say amen. amen. You excited to be in the house of God this morning? Amen. Let me see. It's still morning for two more minutes. We're on target today, amen? amen. Might get you out of here by 12. I'm just kidding. That's two minutes. I'm just kidding. I think I need to pray for your brothers and sisters. Slumber demon got half the church today. Slumber is a demon. I'm just kidding. Come on, grab somebody's hand today as we pray. We're going to enter into the presence of God. Amen. I want to partake into you a word of true hope today. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we come into your presence. Father, we ask you, God, that your word would just permeate this household. Father God, that you would have your way. That you would um, just totally have control over this service right now, Father. That you would sow into our hearts good word today, Father God. That we may hear from you, Father may see from you, Father, may be able to partake of this word and put it into practice in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to speak to you today on a subject of I am not forgotten. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms, the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 4. And while you're turning to somebody, say, I am not forgotten. Tell somebody around you, I am not forgotten. Psalms the 13th chapter, I'm reading from the Amplified Version. It says this, starting in verse 1 to verse 4. The psalmist writes, how long will you forget me, O Lord, forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I lay up cares within me and have sorrows in my heart day after day? How long shall my enemies exalt themselves over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lighten the eyes of my faith to behold your face in this pitch-like darkness, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am shaken. I believe as the psalmist writes this, he's in some type of despair. He's in a sense of, of feeling abandoned by God. Has anybody ever been to a place in your life if you raise a certain level of honesty today that you can say there's been points and times in my life where I felt God forgot all about me. I felt as if every prayer I offered up was null and void. The psalmist writes that God would, would you give light to the eyes of my faith. Not my face because my faith needs to see you God, not me. The core belief of my, my trust in you and that you exist, it needs to see you right now, God. He was, he was painting a picture of pure despair that not even his physical eyes had to see him, but his faith was about to die and it needed to see him. He declared, my enemies laugh at me not when I die, not when I fall, but simply when I'm shaken. It don't take you to fall into sin for somebody to tell you, I told you so. As soon as they see you shaking in your faith, as soon as they see one thing go wrong in your life, they try and shake your tree. The scripture we, we read, it speaks of this despair. Life has a way of seemingly presenting itself to you in ways that seem miserable. Have you ever seen your life so out of proportion? Have you ever seen your life as so dismal, negative, as if God doesn't realize what you're going through. It'll never cease to amaze me how we as people never think that God can understand our circumstances. As a pastor, I'm tired of hearing people say, you don't understand. 
I believe it's us who does not understand what God knows, what God did for us. Many of us are seemingly in a constant state of feeling forgotten. We, th- we tend to think that God has either left us or, or let us sit in this depths of this judgment that he's trying to give us. We feel we can never get a break. Anybody ever feel like you can never get a break in your life? One thing after another, just bad happening? You know, it's amazing that as, as humans, we piece things together. You see, something bad happens in our life, and we blame God. Something good happens, and we blame God. And then something else bad happens, and we blame God. You see, but if we could take on the stance of God, where we sin, he forgets it, and doesn't remember it no more, But when one thing bad happens, you have somebody, my whole life is just tragedy. I've been suffering since the day I was born. Y'all quiet, so you must be guilty today. You know what I'm talking about. And you stitch your entire life up on this one circumstance, and it could have been that you stubbed your toe. But one little thing can send you overboard. Tell your neighbor, I am not forgotten. One of the greatest lies of the enemy is to trick you into believing that God has abandoned you. There are days after you decide to serve God at a deeper capacity that you can't seem to let go of some things that have been holding in your life. Many of us have a desire to serve God in a deeper capacity, but the issue that we have is that we cannot let go of the sins and the issues that we have that that keep us in the place that we were at, that keep us as a sinner before God. You're picking this up today? Is that making sense? And you desire to serve God, but there's too many things attached to you that are holding you back. And so, in that respect, we we tell God, we want more of you, God, but I can't get more of you because what's around me. I think Diana put it perfectly when she said that when you go into a place of sin in your life, that God will wait outside and tell you, I'll be waiting for you when you come back. The Bible says that God cannot exist inside of darkness, inside of sin. So we would think that if we serve God, things would get easier and things would get better. Maybe some of you here have been serving God for a long time in your life. I'm not just talking to your new believer, but maybe you've been serving God for a long time in your life and you no longer feel God like you used to feel him. No longer sense him like you used to sense him. No longer hunger for him like you used to hunger for God. Does that make sense? I'm talking to you today. You think to yourself, I've been serving God for so long. And I seem to still be struggling and I can't shake these feelings that I've been having, these feelings of this bad relationship I know I should not be out of, uh, this feeling of, of a temptation of sin that always seems to pull me. Can anybody understand today what we're saying when you feel forgotten or abandoned by somebody, left to suffer and be devoured? And even though God said that he would be with us always, there's always a sense of loneliness in your life. Not a physical loneliness, but rather a spiritual loneliness where it's a dry place in your life, in your spiritual walk with God. There were days where I felt like this, and many of us, we, we, whether we like to admit it or not, we wallow in a sense of pity. And we pity ourselves, and we, we get our little pity parties going, and oh, but my life is so horrible. Oh, th- my whole... My whole day is ruined because one thing happened and my life is so horrible. And we, we allow yesterday's issues to determine our, our attitude towards tomorrow. 
And we let all the things, why? Because we've developed and adopted a sense of feeling forgotten by God. How many of you know it's true that when you are depressed, the last thing you want to do is seek after God? When you feel like the, oh, the world owes you something, the last thing you want to do is crack open the Bible. The last thing you want to do is hop to your knees and start praying. Why? Because the enemy has a way of trying to trick you. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians 1, 5 and uh, the 6th verse. He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. The apostle declares a level of confidence. And he says, being confident, meaning being persuaded beyond the shadow of a doubt, having a knowledge that if God started it in you, he will finish it in you. And I can stop right there, but some of you just won't get that because if you could just be confident of what God is doing in you, you won't worry about every little thing in your life. You won't stress out every little thing in your life. He says, be confident of this very thing. The this that he's speaking of is in verses 3, 4, and 5. He greets them and he says to them with a special uh, a greeting. He says, I've been praying for each and every one of you as individuals. This church in Philippia had a, a true place in the, the Apostle Paul's heart. Of the hundreds of churches he planted, this one in particular had a certain meaning to him. And he let them know that emphatically through every letter he wrote them. And if you read here, he, he's telling them that he's confident of this. Of what is this? Of their fellowship with Christ, their Christian walk, that God will start what he finished. He was so excited about that in his writings. He had a firm belief that God was going to complete what he started. Paul is speaking of them and their Christian faith. And he, he's saying if Jesus started the work in you, he will finish it. The number one thing the enemy is after, if you can narrow it all down, he is after your faith in God. Your belief that God loves you. Your belief that God is, that God was and God is to come. Your belief on who God was, the creator of the universe. The enemy is after your faith in God. If the enemy can attack your faith, which is your abstract belief in God, meaning you can't see it, it's not really there, there's nothing to it, but it's there. If he can attack you believing something you can't see, he'll move then to attacking what you can see, what you have felt. What does that mean? That you can go through a period in your life, even if you grew up in church, where you will be convinced that God is not or God does not love you, even though you've been told your entire life that God loves you and you know it. The enemy is after your faith in God. He's after your desire to serve God. He stresses you on every front. In your finances, in your job, with your children, in your marriages. And we just sit back and we say, and I thought you were going to make it better, God. I thought things would get a little easier. Every single situation you are faced with is designed to weaken your resolve in God. Meaning, it's designed to weaken your, your will to serve God. The apostle said, I'm hard pressed on every side. Not just in front, not just in back, but all around me. He said, I'm hard pressed on every side. I'm persecuted. He, the songwriter put it that I'm hard pressed on every side. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. I'm struck down. But he said, I am not destroyed. And through everything he faced, 
he understood that he was pressed on every side, but he was blessed beyond the curse that would come upon his life. And you've got to understand that God will never forget you. Tell your neighbor, I'm not forgotten. Even when you forget God, he doesn't forget you. You must believe that God will perform what he said. You see, this word in, in Philippians where he said that God is able to perform it, he will perform it. It's this Greek word and the meaning of it is that he would literally himself carry it forward to completion. When I thought of that, I thought that if God would carry it, meaning the work in me, which is me, God would literally pick me up and carry me to completion if he had to. Because God is faithful to perform it. It's an intensive word, meaning that it would be carried through to the end no matter what. This word only occurs ten times in the entire Bible. And it means that God would carry on the work which he had begun to completion. He would never leave things unfinished. That is not who he is. It would not, uh, he would not commence you and then abandon you. He would be a, a person who finishes everything. He'd be a person who performed everything. Listen to what Paul says concerning the faithfulness in God's completion. Or rather the psalmist. Psalms 138 verse 8 says this. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Somebody say that with me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Did you understand that? I don't think you did because you didn't get excited about it. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. So every issue that concerns me, that is not finished, whether it be your spiritual walk, your, your sin you're dealing with, your, your marriages, your finances. He says the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. God is going to do it. What does that mean, pastor? What are you trying to say? Get off your pity boat. Get off your cycle of not doing nothing for God because you feel God is not doing nothing for you. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. He will complete what he has begun. He would not begin to interpose in my life and then abandon me. He would not promise to save me then to watch me fail. He would not encourage me to cast me off. He would not uh, he will complete what he begins. He would not convert my soul and leave me to die because grace will complete what grace starts. And then the psalmist says, forsake not the works of thine own hands. He's telling God, you made me. You've got to finish me. You started this work in me. You began to build me up. You've got to put the finishing touches on me. You began to start this. God, you have got to finish it. For the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. If he started it, he will finish it. So right there, that alleviated the responsibility of you being stressed out about it. Just right there. If, if you didn't catch that, if you came in here worried about some, some garbage in your life, some little situation, uh, something you were being immature about and acting like a baby Christian, right there, the, the Bible just said, he will perfect that which concerneth me. If it's bothering you, just let it go. God will do it. So right there, you should not be stressing about anything else. You should be, I should be see nothing but smiles because you're acting like a bunch of dead lump on a lot of Christians today. God forgive you because you lost one hour of sleep. I thank God that his, his love towards me is not conditioned on how many hours of sleep or, or somebody got. 
I thank God that this is, you know what the worst part is? I can't stand this time of year because all week long when I was the manager, oh, that one hour messed me up. It is Friday. Oh, my whole week just got thrown off. I just don't get it. My alarm clock didn't go off. It's Saturday. Do you understand what I'm saying to you today? Every issue you just had just went out the window because you are secure now, confident, you're persuaded that God is going to finish it. And I love what he said, God will perfect. God's a perfectionist. That's how you know that God loves you. He wants it perfect for you. Amen? If we would only become perfectionists in serving God. Living a level of excellence in our lives that we perfect the word of God in our walk. We perfect the word of God in our talk. We perfect the word of God in our belief, in our actions and interactions with others. That we would not be as changing as we are. We are like chameleons so many times that we act one way, then act another way, then act a third different type of way. We're one way at work, one way with our families, and one way at church. God said, I am the same today, yesterday, and forever. The word that is used in theology for that is a word that we also went over in Bible study today. It's called immutable. God is immutable, meaning he is not susceptible to change. He's not able to change if he wanted to. He's not able to change if he wanted to. If he desired to or if you got him upset. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he told somebody a thousand years ago, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, he will say the same thing to you today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. This is a good one for your pocket promise Bible. God, who has called you into fellowship with his son, in lesser terms that means um, the God who you are a Christian to, is faithful. Okay. I just, just, it's kind of difficult. If I just ran up to you and told you, you want a million dollars, you would just, oh my God, I want a million dollars, I want to buy a house, I want to thank God, I want to thank my mother, I want to thank my father, oh my God. Be broke by the next end of the year, but so excited. If I would have told you the president's coming, you know, even if you like him or not, you'll wear your best clothes, you'll look all sharp. Oh my god, the president came to my church. My goodness, half these people get excited if the mayor comes. But somebody tells you the creator of the universe. The one who made everything was stitched your whole body together in your mother's womb. That he is faithful. And you're like, hey, hey, all right. Oh, great. Let me get my number one finger and just, ah. God is faithful. That's something to get excited about. That he would not leave you. He would not forsake you. You should leave here happy today. You should not have a defeated, depressed week. Everything you go through should not mess with your whole life. Because God loves you today. He will not abandon you. He would not bring you this far to let you die now. He didn't drag you out of sin to see you get dragged back. And God will not let you down. He will sustain you as long as he has to. 
understand if you've been feeling forgotten or as if God doesn't care, you need to develop a mindset of understanding God's faithfulness in your life. That when you were yet a still sinner, Christ died for you. If that's not faithfulness, God have faith in you that you would come for him. Philippians 2.13. This is the good scripture here. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. Oh my goodness. Did you know that God was working in you? For you loud people like me, that's why there's so much noise going on here. God's working on me. It's a construction zone, nonstop. You know, when I yell too loud, it's just a, a truck is backing up, you know? It's just God is doing something in me. That's why I don't understand why some of you are quiet, because God is working in you. <laughs> now, this is the dangerous part. To act according to his good purpose. Not to your purpose. You see, one of, the, one of the mistakes we make as Christians is we live our lives in misery because we never fulfilled our dreams in life. I never got nothing in life. I wanted to go here. I wanted to go there. <gasps> couldn't go to college. Couldn't go here. Couldn't go. Shut up. Flat out. Just shut it. God is doing a new thing in your life. Here's what you desire. Here's what God desires, and you're saying you're walking towards what God desires, but you're crying about what you desire. Does that make any sense? And you wonder why half your life is just lived in misery. Because you haven't accepted what God has for you. Do you think I'm going to sit here and cry and wallow in pity about what I can't do because I had to become a pastor for you guys? I got I to gotta cheerlead you guys on every Sunday. How, how about my job? And you're worried because you couldn't do something? Oh, come on. Isn't that a load of, of apples? Do you understand what I'm saying to you today? He does a work in you so that you can act according to his purpose. So now, if you're not acting good, you're not acting right, and you're out there doing what you're doing, then you know that you are outside of God's purpose in your life. You with me? And you have been rejecting God. And so you're not lonely, you just left God. See, <laughs> Jesus and the word of God throughout the scripture says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. He ain't saying nothing about if you leave him. And you say, oh pastor, that's not what the scripture says, but God cannot be around sin. And so there's times where you leave God. You with me? Oh, I don't feel God. I know because he ain't there with you. Doesn't that just make sense? So his purpose is trying to work in you. Amen? If you would know that God should be working in you, then we should act according to how God would desire for us to act. Everything God does for you in your life is designed to drive you to a purpose. That makes sense? Everything in your life that is happening is designed to drive you to a purpose in God. That's pretty exciting. Every, Romans 8.28 says, For we know that all things work together for the good of those that love them. Man, got that? Great. Romans 8.28, For we know that all things work together for the good of those that love him. So if you would understand that, then even the things that depress you and sadden you, you would just take it 
that stumbling block and make it a stepping stone and say, this has got to work for me. I don't know how. I just got fired. Don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, my God. My life is... No, no, no. It's going to work for me. God must have known I shouldn't have been there. And even if you made a mistake and got yourself fired, if you love God, it still has to work in your favor. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? You want to hear something pretty cool? God is obsessed with us filling his purpose. God is obsessed with you fulfilling your purpose in him. God is obsessed with you trusting in him. God desires for you to want to do what he has for you. God always finishes what he starts, and he will never forget you. Mark 11, 24 and 25. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, this word believe is something we have to spend just 30 seconds on. If you believe God for something, it has to be an unwavering belief. You could not have what James, the first chapter and the fourth chapter, described as double-mindedness. He said a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways in James 1.8. Now understand, you have to believe with one mindset, God is going to do this. The problem Lord, I need this, that, and the third. And then we go out, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I prayed, but I don't know. Just don't know. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, got this bill coming up. If I can't make it, will you loan me some money? I prayed about it, but maybe that's the way God wants me to fix it. By borrowing some money, even though God told me he wants me to be the lender, not the borrower. And we always make a plan B for God. And it's kind of hard for God to work with your hands in the way. He says, if you ask for it in prayer, and if you would just believe it shall be yours. If we would truly pray and truly believe, we would never have an unanswered prayer in our life. Isn't that amazing? 1 John 5, 13, or 5, chapter 5, verse 14. This is awesome. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. Then he paused there and he said that if we ask anything, somebody say anything. Now somebody, I need you to say it like if you need something from God, shout anything. So according to how you just shouted, you don't need much from God. Now if you need something from God, just shout anything. Diana and Rose really need something from God. Can we try it one more time? Anything. In prayer, this is so powerful. If you ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Isn't that awesome? Now, just because he hears you, <laughs> doesn't mean he's going to listen to you. Because I know about five kids in this place who hear you but never obey you. But when you put it together with what Jesus said, whatever you ask for in prayer, you shall receive that God will do it. Anything you need. Can I tell you something that God really spoke into my heart? Jesus. 
Number one, your, prayerful, your prayers are more powerful than you believe. Your prayers are more powerful than you believe. Number two, your prayers are more powerful than you can imagine. And then number three, check this out now. If your prayer is birthed because you're doubting God, it was born to fail and die. If your prayer was birthed because you were doubting about something, that prayer was born to fail and die. It can't go near God. It has a seed of doubt in it. Oh, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this, Lord, but I'm just trusting in you. Well, you know how you're going to do it. He's going to help you. How about you just get off that prayer thing of just, oh, Lord, I need help. Thank you, Lord, for the help. I believe you're going to send it, God. I'm waiting on it, God. But you want to keep on praying, oh, Lord, I'm struggling. I feel so alone and so forgotten, God. I have a headache today. My neck was hurting yesterday. I had a stiff neck last week. Lord, when can I catch a break? James, the first chapter, 17, verse Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Why does not change? Oh, rather, who does not change like shifting shadows? Somebody say shadows. God does not change like shifting shadows. What is a shifting shadow? It is what is behind me. As I move, my shadow shifts. Depending on where you're standing, my, your shadow can either go up on a wall halfway, then halfway on the floor, you move and it's completely on the wall, and it shifts and changes, and, and you can be very small, your shadow can be very big, and it shifts and moves and changes constantly depending on the light around you. But this, this, this writer, James, says, God is not like a shifting shadow. God does not change. Our faith changes. Our faithfulness changes. And understand, faith and faithfulness are two different things. Our belief in God changes. Our servitude to God changes. But God never changes. I told you before, he is immutable. He could not change if he wanted to. So the only thing changing in the equation, the only variable, as you would say, is who? You're kind of getting this now. Understand that God does not want to see you fall. How many believe that? Do you believe that God does not want to see you fall? If you believe that, turn with me in your Bibles to Jude. There's only one chapter, so chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. It's a great scripture. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. I got one amen. Maybe you're still turning there, so I'll give you a second. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. God does not desire to see you fall. <clears throat> not only does he keep me from falling, he presents me faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. I'm so grateful that God keeps me from falling. How many things have you done that if people found out could have ruined you? How many times you sinned that if somebody found out you could have lost more than just a friendship? How many things you've done that, that maybe your marriage should have ended but God spared you? How many things you've been through your children that, that, that they don't have a reason to love you but God, you know, bring restoration there? How many things that you are doing or you have done that God has kept you from falling flat on your face? And then with all your mistakes, all your hurts, 
all your pains. He presents you faultless in his presence. But we have the mindset that God has forgotten us. God is too good to us. God never forgot me. I just forgot to remember how to be faithful to God. God doesn't forget us. We just forget how to trust him. We need to get out of this pity party mode and see that God has not forgotten me. Listen to what God says to Israel when they think that he forgot about them. Isaiah, the 49th chapter, if you're writing notes, is verses 14 and 16. And the Lord declares, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. God replies, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she hath born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. You see, that this is awesome. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Somewhere, God looking on his hand, you are on it. He siphons through his Rolodex and finds your name engraved in his hand. He says, can a mother forget her children? Many of you would say, no, a mother, a good mother would not forget her children. But God declares she would forget about her child before he forgets about you. How many mothers do we have in the place? Would you forget about your children? Do you love your children? Would you ever want to see anything bad happen to them? Not even for their own good? <laughs> Let the glory of the Lord. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? And yet, you as a mother, God said, would forget your children before God forgets you. And you may think, well, I'd never forget my children. Well, then they're henceforth the common sense that God won't forget you. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody's getting it. He said in verse 16, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. He started it by saying something, though. He said one word in verse 16 that really took me. He said, see. The first word he opened up by saying, see. He wants you to look. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Tell your neighbor, see. See, God is trying to show us a level of love that we might have forgotten. Where's my musicians? There they go. God has given us a level of love that maybe you have forgotten. Come on, stand with me now. You know, I'll close with this. Many times, and many of you might be able to relate to this, as a child, my parents would want to hug me and want to kiss me. They would want you to sit on their lap, maybe even crawl up next to them. They would want to just spend time with you. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Give me those lights. When I got to a certain age where I thought I was too big for that, I thought I was too grown for this. It wasn't no longer good enough for me. I wanted to do my own thing. As we say, it was just too cool to get affection from your parents. And I began to reject it. No sooner did I reject it, I began to feel that my parents no longer loved me and didn't care for me. 
The fact was they did love me, but I wanted it on my terms when I felt like receiving it. As I prayed, I felt God begin to speak to me and he said, that's what so many people do to me. That when I want to love you, you're not ready for it. And you reject God's love. He gave us an unforgettable love. He would not leave you or forsake you. He's trying to show us much like we do to our parents as we grow older. That we have shunned the love of God. You see, I'm currently in a position in my life where that wouldn't be such a bad thing to have a mother and a father's love in my life. But I've reached a point in my life where that affection and love is no longer available. The opportunity, opportunity rather, for me to know how much my parents truly loved me has gone. It's past that ship has sailed. And with regrets in my heart, I live. But yet there's a love of the Father that many of you today have been rejecting. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. That we've been rejecting the love of the Father. I, as a child, rejected the fullness of my parents' love. But yet I would determine in my heart not to do the same with my Father God. He's written me on the palm of His hands. And I understand that I am not forgotten. You are not forgotten by God. No matter what you're facing, no matter what issue is in front of you, no matter how morbid, how somber your situation may seem, I declare to you today that there's got to be a confidence of this very thing that he who began a good work in me will perform it up until the day of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Wipe those tears from your eyes. Understand that you are not forgotten. God's love will come in many forms, whether in discipline or or in reward, but yet it is meant to build you and usher you to your purpose. We need to forget about being forgotten. Pick yourself up off the ground in a sense and understand that God knows your name and he has not forgotten you. We must not give in to the lies of the enemy and realize that God is with us always. Though your mother and your father forsake you, God said, I will never forsake you. Though your parents and your family forget about you, God said, I will never, ever, ever forget you. You can hold on to that word. The Bible says, heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's just lift our hands together today. And just declare it right now, I am not forgotten. I am not forgotten by God. I want you just to surrender right now and say, God, if I felt like if you've forgotten me, if I've been ungrateful in my life, if I've been uh, just a thorn to you, God, forgive me, Lord. Come on, begin to pray right now and tell him, God, I know that I've been like this sometimes. I'm guilty of what we've been talking about here today, God. I understand, God, that you have a greater purpose for me, God. I understand, Father, that you have a joy for me, God. That you have a purpose, God. You have a will for me, God. A destiny, God. You have not forgotten me, God. I am not abandoned by you, God. And every day that I spend outside of your will, I'm ignoring what you have for me to do in this world, God. Though your mother 
and even your father forsake you. God says that he will never forsake you. Though your mother and your father forsake you, God said he would never forsake you. He's written you on the palms of his hands. If we could just this week refuse to give in to the lies of the enemy, that he is not looking out for you, he's not caring for you, he doesn't love you, and you would see that God loves you so much that it is indescribable. Come on, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me now for feeling as if you have forgotten me. I open my heart to the fullness of your will. I open my heart to the fullness of your purpose. And it is my desire to chase after you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, you believe that right now. Come on, give God a clap offering in this household right now. <clears throat>